This is where we can learn an important lesson in accuracy versus precision. If you're precise in your brewing and hitting the six gallon mark on your fermenter every time with accurate Play-Doh predictions and outcomes, you keep using that brew house efficiency number that you've calculated for your brew house. Although it may not be exactly six gallons or otherwise known as accurately six gallons, your precision in your own brew house with your own relative measurements are more important than getting true accurate numbers. professional brewer and an avid brewer at home. This is episode number 10 and today's topic is going to be brew house efficiency and getting accurate measurements. For a brewer to be able to imagine the flavors and color for a beer that he or she wants to make, develop that recipe and eventually turn it into a sparkling beverage, it requires the accurate measurement of important factors in the brew house, uh, which are volume and gravity, uh, to be able to hit all those numbers. If you're imagining a beer to be a certain ABV, SRM, IBU, and all those vitals, and want to fill a certain number of bottles or get a full keg out of your time and ingredients, it's important for you to know your efficiency numbers so that you can develop the right grist, correct amount of hops, and develop consistency in your beers. Creating balanced beers is getting that correct grist and getting the right number of hops throughout the kettle, fermenter, whatever, to create that balance uh, and consistency. I, I know there are people who just wing it, and that's totally fine. Brewing is fun, and keep it that way if adding the tedious task of Math and measurements makes it not so. But I'm a technical brewer, and I personally find enjoyment in numbers and consistency. And this is especially important for any prospective professional brewers out there in the beginning thoughts of taking the leap from homebrewing to professional. So I'll talk about how you should measure volume and gravity to get accurate and consistent results to give you the ability to get some efficiency numbers dialed. First, a couple things before we get too far into it. If you like this podcast and have found the information useful or interesting, please give that five-star rating and review on your platform of choice. It helps drive organic growth and discussion, which is awesome. And tell a friend. Uh, follow me on Instagram for quick tips and fun photos. Handle is progress your beer. And finally, I've spent a good year plus working on getting New England IPA figured out. At work and at home, they would just come out either too bitter, not hazy, or not aromatic or flavorful enough. Um, and haziness isn't necessarily a factor in deliciousness, but I have found that to get that typical and correct New England IPA flavor and aroma, the process makes it hazy. I tried different yeasts, uh, different hopping regimens, and high chloride to sulfite ratios, 
on and on, but nothing seemed to work until I started diving deep into water, ingredients, and beer stability. The best format for me to share with you that information I learned is in video. And you can get that info by entering your name and email in the form on progressyourbeer.com. I'll have the link in the description, so if you want to learn these keys for making better New England IPA, and better beer in general, as all of the topics I discuss can be applied to all beer styles, head over, let me know who you are, and give me an email address where I can send you your free short series of video lessons on making New England IPA. And on top of giving you this short course, I will also be sending out the results and discussions about the projects I've mentioned in the past and, and will mention in the future on this show, including cold mashing and dialing in results for that, uh, hop water, dissolved oxygen experiments, and all that fun stuff. So get in before you miss out on all those follow-up emails. Plus, get weekly emails with a little more information or ideas that may not have made their way into the podcast content. Cheers! So, I'll start out with the easier measurement to get right, which is gravity. Gravity is the measurement of density of your beer or wort. Measuring the density gives you an idea of how much sugar is in solution, because that's going to be the biggest dissolved constituent that is going to affect density. So, gravity is typically measured in two different units. The first is specific gravity, and this isn't actually a real unit. This is a unitless measurement because it, it's just a reference to the density of water at usually STP or standard temperature and pressure, but I know a lot of hydrometers and density meters w will account for deviations in temperature or calibration, uh, the, they may not be calibrated exactly at STP, but make sure you know where your, your instrument is calibrated and use that reference point to do all of your temperature corrections. Um, pure water density in metric units uh, at STP is one gram per milliliter. Uh, so specific gravity is just the number that indicates the ratio between the density of a solution and water. So a liquid with, specific, with a specific gravity of 1.050 is going to be 1.05 times the density of water. So that solution should have, or, or it should be, 1.05 grams per milliliter, which is more dense than water. Something with the specific gravity of less than 1, say 0 0.9, is going to be 0 0.9 times the density of water. So it should weigh 0 0.9 grams per milliliter, which is less dense than water. So that's how specific gravity works. And then degrees Plato is another unit of measurement for gravity that's typically, from my experience, something more professional brewers look at. Um, it is based on the amount of extract in solution. For example, a 15 degree Plato solution will have 15 grams of extract in 100 grams of wort. Most of the extract from barley is going to be sugars, but it does include all of the extracted materials such as proteins, fats, and unfermentable sugars and starches. 
So it will measure your density, but it will not give you the amount of actual fermentable sugars. It does not give you a sugar profile. It just gives you a total amount of extracted stuff. But it is useful, obviously, uh, when you're brewing to give an estimate of how much alcohol or sugar that can be fermented uh, just because of the processes of brewing. So with that knowledge, gravity can be measured with a few different instruments. Um, you can do it with a kitchen scale and a volumetric flask. This isn't the best solution, but if you have a reasonably accurate volume and a reasonably accurate scale, you can just calculate uh, your density or specific gravity. And then you can convert that over to greased Play-Doh if you would like. It can get a little expensive if you want to go that route to get accurate enough tools to do this correctly. So I would say the cheapest and conveniently most reliable instrument to measure gravity is a simple hydrometer. And this is just a, a weighted uh, glass tube that you can put into a, a sample of your wart through a tall cylinder that it'll float in. And depending on how dense the liquid is, that hydrometer is going to move up and down and tell you what the density is. Um, although not all hydrometers are created equal, I found that spending a little more money on one that is made of quality materials and is calibrated accurately and correctly is a good idea. Uh, if you want to be utilizing a refractometer, which I'll talk about next, a hydrometer measurement is going to be needed until enough data is available to create a wart correction factor to use a refractometer accurately by itself. So whatever direction you go, you're always going to need to start out with a hydrometer. So that would be my first purchase. Then that brings me to the refractometer. It uses the refraction of liquids to determine the density. Um, however, a correction factor for wart is needed and a calculator needs to be used for finished beer as alcohol alters the measurements of refractometers. However, I find them highly convenient and they don't use a whole lot of liquid to take a measurement. Um, so they can be really nice for that, but I do distrust the complete accuracy of the measurements, so I always take a hydrometer measurement as well. At the brewery I work at, uh, we use an instrument made by Anton Parr that uses a very small amount of sample wort or beer, uh, and then it puts it into an oscillating U-tube and measures the oscillation period and determines the density of the liquid. But it's about $5,000 and probably not something a home brewer would use, no matter how perfect of a solution it is to give you accurate density measurements with such small sample volumes. All gravity measurements are only accurate if you're taking them at the calibration temperature. But getting close enough is going to be as accurate as you need. Um, I would say use a temperature correction factor if you're measuring more than 10 or 15 degrees Fahrenheit above or below the calibration temperature of the instrument you're using. That's gonna put you off a significant amount. And again, no matter what method you use to measure gravity, 
you should degas your samples. CO2 in solution will affect the gravity measurements. So if you're taking gravity samples of fermenting beer, especially if you're fermenting cool and under pressure, it's very important to degas the sample. Um, if you don't, um, that gas in solution will give you a false low reading. So you could be thinking you're attenuating much more than you really are. And then finally, measure gravity throughout your brew. Um, first runnings of your mash, pre-boil gravity, and starting gravity are all insightful numbers to getting all of your efficiencies. And to get all of these efficiencies, you can utilize um, something like Beersmith or all of those calculators, um, Brewfather, um, Brewer's Friend, those are going to give you your efficiencies. But if you want to start manually tracking and, and doing an Excel file or sheet so that you can track and take note of what changes you've made and see how that affects your efficiencies, um, I'll be sending out my subscribers uh, an Excel spreadsheet that I will make that you can just plug in a, a few quick numbers and you can save those into a separate sheet and start making graphs and charts and doing whatever you want with that information. But I find it really rewarding to be able to look at what my changes are and see if there's an actual correlation with changes in efficiencies and, and all that. But anyway, so now that you're taking quality gravity measurements, volume is the next key parameter that you need to be as accurate as possible with. And volume can be a tricky thing on the homebrew scale. Um, well, first of all, volume can be lost throughout your brew and it can change depending on the style of beer you're making even with the same equipment. This loss in volume that truly affects brew house efficiency can include liquid loss in the grain, bottom of the mash tun, uh, if you're using a separate mash tun kettle. I know a lot of people are using brew in a bag or single vessel all-in-one brewing vessels, which is awesome. Uh, don't ever let anyone tell you that that's not actual brewing. I've seen it happen and it's BS. That and uh, and trube and liquid left behind in the kettle uh, as you're transferring over to your fermenter. Those are all going to contribute to losses in brew house efficiency. Um, so a, a Hellas lager that has an ounce of hops in it versus a West Coast IPA that takes 11 ounces of hops in it is going to have likely a much better brew house efficiency because of the less volume lost because of hot material absorption. This is just one example of different types of beer affecting efficiencies. Grist that affects loudering and all that can also happen, especially with flaked heavy grain bills for something like a New England IPA. And volume measurement can be a little tricky on the homebrew scale unless you purchase pre-volumized vessels or like pre those graduations um, if the manufacturer doesn't do those for you. A small error in volume measurement can mean a decent deviation from an accurate brew house efficiency number. Although this is where we can learn an important lesson in accuracy versus precision. 
If you're precise in your brewing and hitting the six gallon mark on your fermenter every time with accurate Play-Doh predictions and outcomes, you keep using that brew house efficiency number that you've calculated for your brew house. Although it may not be exactly six gallons or otherwise known as accurately six gallons, your precision in your own brew house with your own relative measurements are more important than getting true accurate numbers. If your kettle and fermenter don't have volumetric markings that make it easy to read volumes, you can certainly calculate it with a quick liquid height measurement. Um, it, another thing that I plan on sending uh, to subscribers is I'll send an Excel spreadsheet that does a quick volume calculation based on liquid height and the inside diameter of your kettle or fermenter. Uh, fermenters can get a bit tricky if they have a conical bottom, but those should have markings on them from the, from the manufacturer. Uh, whether that's a sticker you need to place on it or etched in stainless, if it's a sticker, take the time to place it as accurately as you can. I know I just <laughs> said that. Um, I I know I just discussed accuracy versus precision, but it's still better to be both. Um, but again, it is okay if it isn't completely accurate, accurate because all of your numbers are going to be relative to your brewing equipment. Consistency is the name of the game here. If you're working with a fermenting bucket that has straight sides, the calculator will work for that too. Anything that has a straight sidewall profile, the calculator will be useful for. I know it's just a quick circle area calculation multiplied by the height, but I always find a spreadsheet is useful for data and calcs that you can do whatever you want with. It's helpful to have past data stored in the same place to look at trends, consistencies, and all of that. Um, temperature is also another factor in measuring volume. From boiling wort to wort pitching temperature, the volume of that wort can shrink up to 4%, which can certainly affect your brew house efficiency numbers if you're mixing temperatures too much in your readings and notes. Everything should be measured at standard temp, uh, whether you set that or if you set that to be your calibration um, temperature of your instrument, which I would highly suggest that. <laughs> um, that's why we have STP and all of that for engineers. It eliminates confusion and increases consistency. So that's really about it for now on those. Um, so let's do a quick recap. First, take gravity measurements with a hydrometer at its calibration temperature, or take a temperature measurement at the same time as you're taking your gravity sample so that you can use a calculator that takes thermal expansion into account between the sample temp and your instrument's calibration temp. And second, don't just be eyeballing volumes. I've done that in the past where I had a three and a half gallon bucket and was like, oh, that's about two and a half, three gallons, you know, something like that. Um, uh, I thought that I'd be getting 92% brew house efficiency for a freaking barley wine. And that's just not realistic. It's possible, but highly improbable. And this inaccurate brew house efficiency came from my inaccurate inputs for volumes. I was taking gravities correctly, but once I finally got to a point where I had had gotten something that had reasonably accurate volume markings on the fermenter, 
I was so disappointed the first time that I brewed with it because I was like, I got nowhere near 92%. I'm hovering around 75. <laughs> so mark as close as you can your typical pre-boil, post-boil, and fermenter volumes and try to hit those every time. Um, if you don't hit them, you can first of all know and second of all, try and figure out why you didn't hit your numbers. You'll eventually start becoming more and more consistent and be able to just write up a recipe with the exact vitals you were looking for. So, again, thank you for listening. Um, reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated on your platform of choice. Uh, it helps me reach and help as many people as I can. Uh, thanks again for listening, and see you next week where I will be talking about kettle souring um the the important things you want to consider and, and just kind of the process you go about it um we do this every week on the professional scale and uh get great results so i'll share my knowledge on that process with you next week cheers cheers